0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. With us today, we have Shelley Bloom, who is the Director of Legislative Awareness and Training. And today's topic will be HRA Reimbursements for small employers. However, before we begin, I would like to review the following with you. This podcast is designed to highlight various employee benefit matters of general interest to our listeners. It is not intended to interpret laws or regulations or to address specific client situations. You should not act or rely on any information contained herein without seeking the advice of an attorney or a tax professional. So with that, I would like to begin. Shelly, my first question. There's been a lot of discussion about how some new HRA rules attach to the 21st Century Cures legislation. Can you tell me a little about this and who it affects?
2: Sure, Jim. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and to be able to talk about these new HRA reimbursement rules. So the 21st Century Cures Act was something that Congress has been working on for probably the last couple years, and it's a very broad piece of legislation that encompasses a lot of things. Most specifically, the act is focused on clinical research and innovation access as it relates to drugs, um, regulatory burdens, streamlined processes for uh, pharmacy benefit managers, for health insurance carriers that offer prescription drug plans, and it also increases government funding. But attached to the end of this bill was this piece about HRA reimbursements, because it was a separate bill, and as it was moving forward and 21st Century Cures looks like it was going to be voted on and passed before the end of the year, 2016, which was also the end of the session for Congress, they wanted to make sure that it got passed, so they attached it to the end. So you've got all this big, long bill that talks about 21st century cures, and the very end is just this little bit about the health reimbursement arrangement. So what this does specifically is a small employer, and you define, define a small employer as someone who has fewer than 50 full-time and full-time equivalent employees. So we are nearly seven years into the Affordable Care Act, and many employers are used to that definition. If you are an applicable large employer, you have 50 or more full-time and full-time equivalent employees. If you have fewer than that amount, you are a small employer. And only small employers are allowed to take advantage of this HRA reimbursement. Basically, what it does is allows a small employer to either stop offering group benefit or if they never offered it, now they can give the employees money in the form of a health reimbursement arrangement, dollars that they can use to go buy an individual plan, and those dollars actually serve as a reimbursement from the employer to the employee to buy individual coverage.
1: Great. Thank you, Shelley. Doesn't this seem like they're going back to where we started before the ACA? when it was okay for employers to do this.
2: (laughs) Well, funny you should say that, Jim, and yes, it definitely does uh, feel like we're taking a trip backward. Since the Affordable Care Act was signed on March 23rd of 2010, uh, in 2013, towards the end of the year, we had some rules that came out from the IRS that said that employers were not to be reimbursing their employees for the purchase of individual insurance. So uh, in the past, that had been something that had happened, and it truly wasn't legal, but it wasn't being enforced, and there was no way of checking up on groups to say who did it. So we had the 2013-54 information from the IRS, and that was followed up by three or four other notices from the IRS in 2014 and in 2015. That again reminded the employers over and over again you cannot reimburse someone for the purchase of individual coverage the final piece that we saw was about small employers the same thing we're talking about now and it said that small employers cannot reimburse their employees for individual insurance after June 30th of 2015 so it has not been legal since then for a small employer group to do that Now we're going backward to say, with this legislation, now small employers can reimburse their employees for the purchase of individual coverage.
1: Now, Shelley, how much can an employer reimburse? And are they still eligible for the tax credit or subsidy?
2: The employer can reimburse up to $4,950 for a single employee. And that works out to $412.50 a month. And if you are other than a single, so if we think about it in the typical group format where we're talking about parent and child, parent and children, husband and wife, or true family coverage, the most that an employer can reimburse is $10,000 which would be $833.33 per month for the other than single coverage. Um, Can the employee still go get a tax credit or subsidy? The answer is no. The assumption here is that the employer, like I said, if they were offering a group plan and they choose not to offer it anymore, then they could decide to offer this health reimbursement arrangement And give the employees dollars that are available to them both for the purchase of individual health insurance or to pay for 213 D expenses those are things that are in a publication 213 D from the IRS typical things that you're allowed to be reimbursed for co-pays co-insurance things that are related to the the normal treatment of your care Um, but They cannot go to the exchange and get a tax credit or subsidy if the small employer is giving them this money. So if my employer says, Shelly, I've set up an HRA, and you can spend up to $412.50 a month, I will give that to you to purchase individual coverage. I am not permitted as that employee to go to the exchange and also get a tax credit. So it's one or the other. If the employer offers and I participate, I can't get a tax credit or subsidy. If the employer offers, but I'm not going to take that money, then I can go to the exchange to get that tax credit or subsidy.
1: Great. Thank you. Now, is there any kind of notice that an employer needs to give an employee?
2: Yes, there is a notice. If the employer decides that they want to offer this health reimbursement arrangement to the small, to the employees, and they are a small employer, again, they have fewer than 50 full-time and full-time equivalent employees, then they have to give a notice to the employees. The notice is to be given 90 days before the beginning of the year or when an employee is first eligible for the plan. So if the plan renews on January 1, then by October 1st, the employer should be giving the employees this notice that says, I'm going to do this health reimbursement arrangement. You'll be able to purchase individual coverage, and you won't have to worry about it. You can go out and get your own. If your renewal is in July, then obviously you can't do it at the beginning of the year, so you would do it three months prior. Um, or if you decide that your renewal for your group insurance is too expensive and you get it 45 days before July 1st, then you would give the notice as soon as you're aware that you're going to move to this HRA, this reimbursement model. The employees have ample notice. The notice has to state some things in it. The statement of the amount of the eligible employee's permitted benefits, so that would be the $412.50 a month, or the $833.33 per month. It also has to tell the employee that if they take this, they are not eligible for the premium tax credit or the subsidy. It does say that it could provide MEC or minimum essential coverage for that employee, meaning that it does meet a test that the Affordable Care Act is looking for. And if the employer does not give this notice, then there is a penalty of $50 per employee per incident to a maximum penalty of $2,500. Now the last thing about the notice is there is no template that is made up about the notice. Remember that this law passed at the very end of 2016. There has not been anything done about offering a template, so if you want more information about what needs to be included in the notice, please make sure that you talk with your sales rep or your account manager about the specific details of the notice. It can be provided on the employee's letterhead or just a piece of paper that may be dated by the employer, but those things must be included in the notice.
1: Now, Shelley, are there any other items that an employer should be aware of if they want to implement the HRA?
2: Yes, there are some things that the employer should be aware of. Um, This does require W-2 reporting, so if you're a small employer and you are going to do this HRA, you must report the amount that you are reimbursing, and if you're doing the maximum of $4,950 per single, then you need to report that on that employee's W-2. The HRA is not subject to COBRA continuation. So if you are an employer group that is subject to federal COBRA, this part, this HRA, would not be something that you would have to do COBRA on. And in most cases, this HRA um, is not considered a group health plan, and it would not be subject to ERISA, but you will need to determine that when you're working out the actual details of your document. You do need to have a document that talks about how you're going to operate this health reimbursement. And I think the most important thing talks about discrimination. Um, Discrimination here says that you've got to offer this plan to everybody. It should be offered equally. Um, So you can't say it's just for a few employees but not for everybody. Um, You can exclude employees that haven't completed 90 days of service with you. You can exclude employees that have not reached the age of 25. It does not cover part-time or seasonal employees. If an employee is a part of a collective bargaining agreement, then you don't have to include them. And non-resident aliens excuse me, non-resident aliens that don't get any income from the employer would also be excluded. So you have to worry about the discrimination. You have to make sure that when you do a plan document that you are doing the proper test, that you're treating all of the employees the same, that you're not giving your highly compensated individuals or employees more than you're giving anybody else.
1: Okay, my last question. Now, how does this affect an employee that is 65 and eligible for Medicare?
2: Well, that's a good question, Jim. Um, I I think a lot of employers are concerned about this, and, of course, as we all get older, there's more uh, cost that's involved in taking care of our aging bodies and prescription drugs that we take. And this might be a, a lucrative way for an employer to say, well, I can, I can get out of paying for them on my group insurance plan. However, when you turn 65, you are eligible to enroll in Medicare. It's not a requirement that you do that. And there are very specific rules that employers have to follow to um, count their employees and to determine if they are subject to the Medicare secondary payer rules. So, um, in most cases, an employer cannot use this HRA to fund an employee that is 65 or older, and the employee cannot use these dollars to pay for their Medicare Part B supplement or their supplement to uh, their Medicare or their Part D. Again, I would look at each specific employer. I would tell that employer to review the rules and certainly to seek the advice of their attorney before they determine if they can use or not use these HRA reimbursement dollars for Medicare.
1: Thank you, Shelley. And everyone, we hope you found this podcast helpful and informative. If you have any questions, then please contact your account manager or salesperson. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 Or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.